Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's Didier Drogba. And now Kedair in the middle. Drogba goes. as this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to another instalment of Chess Yard. I'm Timson, here with Dan. How are you doing? I'm good. Always a pleasure to do these work with you. Good, good. Likewise. So um, we're going to talk, we're going to be talking Chelsea Salzburg. We're going to be talking about Ted Bowley speaking at Salt New York. We're going to be taking some listen, listeners uh, questions and um, giving our thoughts as always. Um, and without any further ado, let's just get into it. <clears throat> yeah. So Chelsea drew 1-1 to Salzburg. Dan, give me your three word summary of the game. Three word summary of the game. First word, encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. Second word, frustrating. Oh, is it a three word? So it's it's a three word sentence, or is it just three different words? Sorry. Take it however you want. We can All do right. three different words, or we can do a okay. three word some summary. So I'll do the third word. Um, where I don't know. Uh, enjoyable. Do you want me to go into okay. Yeah. Do you want me to go into why I picked those three words? Yes, please. Yeah. So the first thing, encouraging. Um, it's always just good to see. For me, I saw differences, and it's always interesting to see how a manager can come in and have, even if it's the same shape, etc. Do slight little tweaks to do different things. I really, um, Sterling, see. In his post-match interview, I don't think he was happy with his role, even though I think he got man of the match and he scored the goal. 
Um, he talked about how he wants to be close to the goal to get goals. In this game, he scored, <laughs> but he referenced playing more of a, a hybrid role, which is more like a fullback winger role, which is basically a wingback role. He just didn't say it. Um, and I don't necessarily think he's the happiest to play that role. But I think for me, that was the best that I've seen performance-wise Sterling play because um, he was in space and he took on players quite a lot because he was wider. Um, and I know he wants to get goals, which is encouraging. Um, and yeah, he he's someone that accepts responsibility. Um, but again, just in terms of the way it was encouraging, it's just like seeing different ideas. Um, and for me, that was encouraging. It was also enjoyable to, as a, from an analysis perspective, I always like the change of managers just because you get to see different ideas implemented in the squad. And I don't look, I'm not someone that's results-based because maybe if we win that game 1-0, then all of the fan base are just elated and it's yes, first win under Potter, et cetera, et cetera. But I think generally, I think the performance was good. Um, there was a lot of changes um, towards the end and now we got disorganised and I think we conceded the poor goal. Um, and so that was definitely frustrating, which is why I said frustrating. But I think um, in general, I think there's there's a lot of things to be encouraged about. And um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't the worst game ever. Like I enjoyed watching it. I actually enjoyed watching it. So yeah, those would be my three words. Cool. Mine would be work in progress. <clears throat> I feel like there was a strong reaction to the style of play, to the selections, which, yeah, you can kind of have arguments, but is but under Tuchel, we had some questionable first um, first lineup selections. Um, so I'm not taking too much away from this game, really. Obviously, disappoint, disappointed ultimately with the result, but my three words, obviously, work in progress, because that's exactly what it is. Um, just in terms of this game, we won't go into the um, set by set details. But um, what were your what was some things that you liked about um, the system? Obviously, you gave a few earlier just now. If there's any more, please elaborate. Well, I liked about the system. I think um, just in general about the game, about Chelsea yeah. and how they how they how they went about their business. Um, I'm not one to believe that we don't create chances. So we did create chances in this game but um, there are going to be games where it was a bit more difficult but this game I think Red Bull wasn't um, parking the bus so there was space there um, and so I think we did create enough chances to, to finish but I think a general theme is that we haven't finished chances but I did enjoy Brozier I'd say the most because whenever Brozier comes on it just feels like um, a starved dog being let out of a cage. Like, he puts players under so much pressure, the goalkeeper, they can't breathe, like, and he covers ground so fast and he's just such a problem. Um, and so I really enjoy what he brings to the game. I know that he missed that chance where he kind of done it over, but that's fine. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like if he played the whole game, he would have been in more chances. And, uh, and I hope that his conversion is good enough to be our main striker because I think I enjoy it when Brozier's playing. I, I enjoy Chelsea when Brozier's playing. Um, I enjoyed that Loftus-Cheek came on. I didn't like the fact that he didn't start. I think um, he's been our best player for me this season. And I know that he's not a name, but I think mer mer meritocracy-wise, 
I think that he deserves to play and I like that he mm-hmm. came on and I think he showed some good stuff. So I'm hoping that I can see more of him. Um, I really like Cucurella in that game. I think he was really, really good. Um, I really like Sterling in that game, like I said before. And I really like Jorginho in that game. I think Jorginho um, was just, he, he had a masterclass for me anyway. Um, and yeah, I think generally that's what I like. Sorry, give me your... Say again? Give me some, some of your dislikes. Uh, give me your, let's lead into some of your dislikes. Dislikes about the game. Um, I want, like, I've always known Aubameyang's not clinical. You can score goals and not be clinical. Um, um, but some of the, some of the chances that Aubameyang got, I wish that he could have buried it. Um, dislikes about the game. What else did I really dislike about it? Um, the goal. I think the goal was so pathetic the way we conceded it. Um, obviously, Thiago Silva. Uh, that that I feel like a lot of people don't want to criticize Thiago Silva, but I think if that was another defender, they would have got slated. And Thiago I, Silva sets a, a high bar, but obviously that was disappointing. And it just it looked like we didn't have enough men back. So whether it was because of substitutions or whatever, whatever the structure at that point failed us, um, and so it was just way too easy. I, I don't know. I know it deflected, um, so I don't know if I can blame Kepa or not, but maybe someone that's taller gets a hand to it because I just feel like the way that that goal went in, I wasn't comfortable with it, even from a goalkeeper standpoint. So, yeah, the goal I really, really disliked. Um, what else did I dislike? I'm thinking about lineup. As P playing, mm, I'm not going to say I dislike it because I think Potter has his... He probably has his reasons. He wants to get experience on the pitch and it's Champions League and he's been there and done that. I would have obviously preferred to see him for Fana, but I'm happy for um, uh, the manager, Potter, to figure out who he trusts in his own way. So I'm not that down on Azpi playing. Um, um, what else? Havertz and, and Havertz in that... I, did, I don't think I focused on Havertz that much. Um, and Mount as well. well t- We'll touch on Havertz a little bit later. Yeah, I'm saying, I think with both of them, I know that a lot of people are, are going crazy about Havertz and now it's under different manager, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, I think, I think with, um, I think, I think I've seen a lot of, in terms of the encouraging thing, with the shape that we've done, Some now I'm looking at it like, yeah, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek should be playing where Mount was playing really and truly. And then maybe Mount or Kai behind the striker. Um, because I think just Loftus Sheik gives us like so much impetus that carrying a ball forward, but but yeah, I think my strong dislikes about the game, the game obviously the goal, um, and yeah, everything else I said, but the rest of it, I just it wasn't that bad. Like I I'm not here to completely criticize Oba or or Mount or Havertz or whoever people have started to make this game scapegoat. Cool, cool. Um, in terms of me, my likes were. Um, just just Potter kind of showing that I can do the fluid back three, shift into a back four system. Um, so the fact that he's capable of doing that and coaching that with his own um with his own little twist on the on the situation on the system, um, I felt like it was I like that we were dynamic in the first maybe twenty to thirty plus minutes of the game. We were very dynamic. There seemed there 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 was a bit more menace in terms of us passing the ball in front of their box. There was a bit more menace. No inevitability 
um, like uh, Manchester City or Liverpool when they're in their when they're in their peak condition in terms of it just feels inevitable the way they shift the ball from left to right and carve out chances. But it's the first game. In terms of my dislikes, um, like yourself, Aspilicueta starting um, and leaving kind of Trev Chalabar, Fofana and Koulibaly on the bench instead. And that's one I'm like, hmm, but he is the captain and it, it was the first game. Uh, what else didn't I like? Oh, like um, probably a like, uh, a like is more of a like actually than a dislike is um, Armando Broja. Um, I didn't like Abamyang kind of, um, I didn't like Abamyang's performance, um, but I also liked a Broja's performance just because he, like you said, just very hungry and just at it from the minute he steps onto the field and him just being at it and on it is probably what helped kind of um, force that chance to land his way. And he didn't score, but if we don't qualify out the group, um, it definitely won't be because of that. And I think it's um, one that he'll remember. Yeah. And I just, we're doing obviously, like, of- yeah, we're doing likes and dislikes. Oh. We've got freemium joining too. So we're just doing likes and dislikes about the game from yesterday. Just just quickly on the likes about it. I think Jorginho played a little bit deeper. And I remember Sari always wanted to play the 4-3-3 because Jorginho was a little bit deeper. And it allowed him to play more vertical passes up to, to people. And I think, yeah, I think that might have helped the, the passing as well. Um, but yeah, we've got Freemium here. Freemium, what would you say are your likes and dislikes about um, yesterday? Yeah, um, I mean, my my first the first thing that immediately struck me was the format, how the formation was different um, in the game. Like when I when I saw the formation pre match, I was definitely worried. I was like, ah, uh, he's gone to a back four. This is kind of concerning because the team's not really set up for for a back four. We've got that. We just had a summer that said back five. You know, the squad kind of said just back five. And I was going to back four, you know, the cogs in my brain were tired and I was thinking, oh, maybe the rumours are true. Maybe, maybe Todd's, you know, trying to ghost ride the whip. Maybe he's sitting here ghost writing lyrics for the manager. And I was worried. But then when I saw it, I was like, ah, this, this isn't, this isn't a, a back four. This is not a back four at all. This is definitely a back three. And Kukurel is definitely tucking in while Reese James is going forward. So that I definitely liked. Yeah. I like that, you know, maybe he he listened to the to the players. I kind of felt like players were playing more where they would have would say they want to play. Yes. Havertz, uh, Mount. Yeah, it kind of felt like more that players were kind of given were maybe given maybe more of a of a, of a say on where they played. Cause yeah. it just kind of felt like more players were playing in positions that were maybe a bit more natural to them. Apart from Sterling. Apart from Sterling, of course. But even him, even him, like he was. He, the way he the way he was high and wide, I'm sure he wasn't like mad about it because he wasn't really back. And even yeah, Pot said after the game that like, he wasn't trying to have him back defending, mm. which I think is fine. Man, I'm I'm, I'm never one to to criticize playing a winger at wing back. I, yeah. I feel like that's a perfectly acceptable position for a winger to play. I don't think it's that much different from being a yeah. traditional winger. And then what what about your dislikes? My dislikes were were kind of like uh, it didn't really it didn't really move that like uh. From like maybe the maybe I guess they've only been there a week in it, so maybe I was expecting, I was hoping to see like a massive improvement, which I didn't see. But there wasn't like specifically, I'd say um, the defense. I wasn't happy with the Tiago and Aspie's combination. Mm. There was Mark there, so it was all right. Having Cucurello there was made it kind of made it kind of acceptable, and I can understand the logic of starting your senior players in your first game. Mm. But I wasn't, I didn't love it. Um, 
I didn't love Aubameyang's performance at all. Mm. But, you know, even as he said, you know, he, he just got robbed. He's just wearing a face mask. He's not even 100% fit. So mm. it's understandable. Havertz wasn't, you know, amazing. He wasn't terrible. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't over the moon with Mount's performance, but I never am. I like to keep him humble. Uh, yeah, apart from that, you know, I th- I'd say there are more positives than negatives, you know. The, the goal was sloppy. You... Keppel was embarrassing. Yeah. But I don't want to say more about him. Did you say you like to keep him humble in regards to Mount? Yeah, man. People like to give him praise for, like, doing the bare minimum. So, I, I, like, I have a... I expect more than that. Yeah. Like, he performed... He didn't, he didn't have a bad game, but it wasn't a great game either. And people were saying, oh, yeah, he was incredible. And I was like, nah, he was, he was all right. He was all right. I still expect better. But, you know, he, it's definitely it's definitely like one of the better games he's had this season. I'll say that. But that, that's not... I don't want to say that and people say, oh, yeah, that means he was good. No, it means the whole season he's been bad. But this game, he wasn't... Yeah, he bad. didn't do anything particularly amazing and he didn't do anything dreadful, in my opinion. He just gave... It, 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 was, it was solid. It was decent. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, biggest takeaways from the game, um, you can got you guys can give me your own, but there's a couple just to help you out. Obviously, Aspilicueta starting over the three centre backs that we had on the bench. Um, Sterling's Trossard role. What did you guys make of it? Um, the curious case of Kai. I know a lot of um, non-Chelsea fans have kind of written him off, labelled him a bit of a luxury player. He's not given the creative numbers as um, like you might expect from a luxury player. Kind of some parallels being drawn with Pogba. Um, that, that could be interesting to touch on. And Hakim Ziyech, um, I've kind of labelled this part enemy of progress or over it in terms of he's just signed out. He's like, look, January, get me out of here. Um, those are a few points, but um, if you guys got any kind of, any any other takeaways from the game that you want to discuss, um, open floor, I'll start with you, Dan. I, I don't like seeing Ziyech come on. I feel like he was angling to get out and there's so many other players that it feels like anyway, they were um they wanted to make it here. And then I just feel like with ZH as well, for me, I've I've never really been a fan. Maybe it's just that I've never really been a fan. Um I don't think he's the worst player, but I just don't like his style of play, personally. Um and so yeah, whenever he whenever he comes on, like I'm not I think the fans got on his back, which I think for me, it's annoying because fans complain when we lose, but then when the player they don't like comes on, they start jeering and booing and all that type of stuff. But they still want him to be the one that, to win us the game. And I don't care whether you like them or not, really and truly, you're contributing to the bad result. If you're like, I'm, can you imagine you, you yourself being on the pitch and people are chatting shit whenever the ball come near, um, comes near you and then you get a big opportunity, your own fans have been putting doubt on you and so, like, I just, for me, like, part, I think the fans need to, especially the match-going fans, et cetera, really and truly, um, I, when I go to Stamford Bridge and I see, like, everyone's got their own different players at their target, it doesn't surprise me some of these players are underperforming with the way you lot carry on. Um, but, like, so, like, for me, when I, like, when Ziyech's coming on and I'm there, I, it's not, I'm not jeering him, like, publicly, but, yeah, he does. I just, I just feel like it would be good if he didn't play um, I think with Potter, like like even Ten Hag, I remember Ten Hag, he started bad. Um, but Man United are p- picking up momentum. And you can see, like, game in, game out, they're able to try out the same first 11. 
like even Arteta, you like Arsenal, they're gaining momentum. They're able to try out the same level. Now, obviously, we've done another reset. Like we had a start of the season where we already bought loads of players and they were supposed to be selling, but we've hit the reset button again. And now these players have to get used to new kind of style and new management, et cetera, et cetera. So patience has to be had. But I think one of the issues now is that there's a lot of egos. And I think what I was so disappointed with Ziyech coming on is like, oh, so you're going to try and bring him along too. When I think that really and truly one of the things that Potter needs, for me anyway, my opinion, is when people are complaining when Sari said, you can't bring along so many players at the same time. You need to focus on a small amount of players. I agree with that. Like, it's not to say that you shouldn't have a meritocracy, but I feel like I would be trying to narrow down my selection um, because I want to pick up momentum. And then ZH comes on maybe when, do you know what I'm saying? You Not when you need him, but actually when it's like, oh, actually, maybe we've got injuries and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I was I was disappointed seeing him come on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Free, what's your take on uh, Ziyech? Man, I'm disappointed, man. I, I was a big fan of Ziyech, man. I thought he, I thought he could bring it because I'm always I'm always on team creative, and anytime I see anyone that's got like a a vision, the vision for a ball and for a creative pass, I can see something that no one else can see. I'm always in favor of that of that player in it. So when Ziyech came, I had high expectations. He hasn't really, uh, he hasn't met them at all. And he does continue to put on poor performances. And I, But I understand why managers keep trying them out because when you look at our bench, like when you're really losing the game or you need or you need the win, or you need points and you try to think, who can you bring on? You know that Ziek can shoot from distance. You know that Ziek has that movement to get into the box and to get, into, to, to get on the end of chances. And you know that he can create, he, he can create chances. So I understand why they bring him on. And I understand, um, yeah, I understand why they keep believing him because if you're losing the game already or you're chasing the game, you need need the points, you can't really bring on Pulisic. You can't really bring on whoever else is on the bench and expect and really, really have like, real belief or hope that they're going to change the game for you because they don't have it in their locker. Whereas Zik is someone who you've been, he, who's easy. It's easy to believe that he has that moment in his locker because he does it. He does it every so often. I'd, so argue, is, I'd argue Pulisic off the bench is scored. Like, I don't have numbers in front of me, but Pulisic at least a couple of times I've seen him come off the bench and then get that goal because he's got that desire to get in the box. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pulisic definitely has has scored goals off the box, but he you can't expect him to to do that by himself. Like it's always him at the end of a tapping and he scores the tapping because he's there at the right moment, which is obviously a skill that's valued. And we were creating chances. There was plenty of balls that was going across the box. And I think with Ziyech for me, and I get your I think it sounds your logic in terms of yeah, he can shoot from far. And you kind of need to brute force it at that time. So I get that point of view and I'm not dismissing it. But I think also there's the other side of it where we get a chance or we're in a good position and then he just takes a pot shot and it's like, you know, 10% chance of going in. Do you know what I'm saying? And then that goes to waste. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how I feel about Matt with all of his shots. With almost all of his shots. All the ones that don't go in, I feel like, what, what are you doing, man? Why are you always shooting for? Especially when you hit the ball into the wall because I don't feel like his shoot is even that good. When Zian yeah, does no. it, yeah, there's there's a there's a little bit of belief, a little bit of hope that thinks you know what he there's a chance that he's gonna score from it, even if he doesn't, even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen a, a lot, it doesn't happen enough. But I believe when he when he's about to shoot, that sign can happen. When Mount shoots, it's like Mount, I can see from here you're not gonna score. I can see from here you're gonna hit it into the crowd. You should be able to see from where you're standing that there's three men in front of you. You're gonna hit it into yeah. them. There's no point, and he still does it. Yeah. Zeke, I feel like you know there's there's a chance that they might go in, but I understand why why you feel like he's just wasting the time. He's just losing the ball because he yeah. does do that a lot. 
Yep, 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 yep. And I, I feel like even his demeanor, and I know sometimes players have different demeanors, but it, it, it's not one of someone that's trying to make a career here. It's one of, I'm going to be out soon. And we know that he was trying to get out. And so I just feel like, why are we counting on these players? Like Tuchel said at the beginning of the season, it's like, we have to count on players that don't necessarily want to be here. And I, I feel like that the ship has sailed to Ziyech. We, he wasn't able to sort out his move, but I feel like he'll be out of the door soon. So I don't want to see those players on the pitch personally. Well said, well said. Um, me, in terms of Ziyech, it's just so odd. And this is one of the reasons why um, Thomas Tuchel reportedly kind of um, lost favour in the dressing room. Kind of guys who are clearly disinterested or they've mentally checked out uh, are still getting opportunities in the squad. Obviously, Potter's come in with the clean slate. Um to start booing almost immediately when or, or kind of putting down Ziek um as a match going fan, uh, or some of the match going fans um did, I'm I'm not a fan of, but ultimately um I felt like that was the game to kind of make your mark good or bad, show your ability, put yourself in the shop window, or just show, look, I can add value here. Um, my kind of take on coming off the bench is similar to Freeze in that um you look at the Chelsea bench and coming off the bench and coming off the bench, uh, players who can provide that X factor. Um, Pulisic with his dribbling, but um, I don't think his dribbling's quite come off. He can he might be able to get you that scrappy goal if the state of the game is there are the balls are coming in the box. You might be able to find some space and get on the end of it. Um, but in terms of just making something out of nothing, I'll probably be uh, more trusting of Aziek with his his long range shooting, his ability to just um, whip that ball inside. But this is a, this is um, dependent on the Hakim Ziyech who's focused and locked in um, and on his game, which is clearly not. What do you guys think of um, Kai Havertz? Because the people I've spoken to who aren't um, Chelsea fans, they they just say, look, they're not having him. Like he's not giving you the creative numbers. Uh, he's not a striker. They gave um, yesterday. They put him in the ten, and he didn't do massive amounts. I feel. I feel like uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek's influence was potentially greater um, with some of the things that he did in the, in in um, in a less in a lesser amount of time. Um, he's obviously not done anything significant this season. Um, and a lot of people are thinking within two years he'll be back in Germany, especially with someone with Bayern, someone like uh, Thomas Muller, 33 already. They'll probably be looking for a replacement. And um, if they come in for him, I can't see, I, I wouldn't be shocked. What's your, what's your guys' takes on um, Kai? Go on, Dan. Are you going to go first? Yes, please. Um, so to be fair, for me, I think that I think with Kai, he picked up some good opportunities that it was, I feel like there was a chance where Sterling kind of went there and I think Kai was open and he, like maybe he would have had a big chance missed. But um, yeah, I think he, a lot with Kai, a lot of the times he's trying to pick up good places where he can do things. And um, in regards to yesterday's performance, because I didn't have my Kai come on, I was watching Chelsea, not Kai Havertz. Um, I think with Kai, there's a lot of times where it's frustrating, where you want him to, or he's chasing his the ball. And it's not necessarily like a bad touch, but it's like if you were quality, you would have kind of nicked it through the legs, et cetera, et cetera. But I just feel like it almost feels like, it, it does feel like he's lost a little bit of his composure 
and he's do you know what I'm saying now if now it feels like he's just kind of running around more like a mount type of thing whereas before he played the game at his own pace and I think that coming to the Premier League I get it's a different game and I think maybe if he was just a regular and he got to a chance to settle in the same position then he would have kept who he is but I feel like under Tuchel because we know that Tuchel said that, look I want my players to run around and counter person all that type of stuff um I just feel Lampard like too. Lampard too. yeah exactly Lampard too and I feel like I always look at it when we had Oscar and KDB and I remember Oscar would get in a team because he would run around like a headless chicken and Mourinho was like this is what you need to do to get into the team and KDB was like that's not my football and so rather than trying to become what Mourinho wanted he was just like no I understand what I bring I don't have to be a headless chicken um and I feel like I've seen Kai Havertz kind of lose his call, composure and stuff, and try to become a Premier League headless chicken where it's like, look, you're you're becoming not who you are. You're losing what made you cool. Do you know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be the composed guy. And I just feel like maybe because he's young and impressionable. impressionable uh, yeah, I just, I want to see. And I think with Kai, I can see Kai, maybe back to Germany or going to Spain or whatever, um, in a league where it's not about being a headless chicken. I can see him find himself again there. Or if he's played consistently at Chelsea and backed, which I just don't believe that as a fan base, we create that kind of opportunity to for players to um, have that. Because um, we, I think what happens is we do this thing where we support players, but it's like for two years, like players have an expiry date for fans these days. Um, and I feel like when you buy a 21, 22-year-old from Germany who wasn't even consistent there, but... Like and it's like you're not buying 70 million for the first season. It's like okay, cool. We're gonna back this player, and I don't even think like if for me, Kai doesn't have to start every single game, and I think Kai hasn't started every single game. Um, but I think people look at it like you're 70 million, therefore you should be ready right now, starting every single game, finished product. Um, you've been here two years, new manager, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, where that's not kind of how I looked at it. But I think the the annoying thing is. If this was like 10, 15 years ago, he wouldn't have cost 70 million. He could have come in for like like 10 million, 8 million. And then there wouldn't be as much pressure for everything to work straight away. And this urgency, et cetera. And he would just be a young player and he could come in and he could slowly grow. Um, and that's kind of what happened before. But I think what, what, what happens right now is you cannibalize it and we put this expiry date and it's two years and you've got to blow, et cetera. Like even that you mentioned Ruben Loftus-Sheet came on, a lot of people had these expiry date two, three years ago. Um, and he went down with Fulham and they're like, no, you're done, you're done. And that, for me, that's just not like how talent works. So for me, like, I think personally, like regardless of the money, I don't have to, I don't think Kai Havertz has to play every single game. Because Chelsea, again, we still have to win games and we have to play who is on form and who's reliable. And um, Kai Havertz, even in Germany, at that point, he was still trying to find consistency. But I do think as well, um, we can only see players at their best at Chelsea if we don't overload the squad with like a million players because then none of them get regular football. Like I would be happier if Kai had a season of 30 games in the first season, a season of 30 games in the second season. And over those, like, he start 30 starts in the first season, 30 starts in the second season. Oh, like, I know he had some injuries, so maybe like 25 or whatever. And then after two seasons of regular football, say, you've had the platform, you've had regular football, and you're just not, but I don't think he's had that. He's had, like, 
in and out first season, in and out second season, and people are like, oh, you've had three seasons. You you, you really have haven't you haven't had that. Um, but yeah, in, in regards to just yesterday's game, I think actually watching it, he did pick up some good positions to score goals. But I think one of the things um, that we don't do enough is, and I, I, I get because when you've got someone like Sterling, he's there to score. And you've got Oba there, now he's there to score. And it's like, you're looking around Mount, he's not necessarily a passer. So if Kai is going to be that person that picks up these clever positions, who is going to be the one that slips it to him? Um, but yeah, in his general play, I think, Generally, he's like, he loses possession quite way too much. Um, and we need to be able to keep possession. Um, and yeah, he hasn't been imposing himself on the game. But again, Kai starts slowly. So yeah, I think for me personally, I would like to see either Kai or Mount starting. I don't think both of them should start. I think it's really and truly, we don't need both of them to start. I think either Kai or Mount starting behind the striker. And then I like Ruben Loftus-Cheek where Mount played yesterday. But yeah, that's my opinion on it. Nice. Freemium, any thoughts or any additions to what Dan just said? Yeah, I mean, with regards to the game yesterday, <clears throat> I feel like he didn't have, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And I think that's what you can say for a lot of, a lot of his performances this season and even last season. But I, I still believe in him and I think he's good and I think he's going to come good. Oh, I think he could come good if we gave him the right, the right kind of platform. And I feel like he's, he's got the quality and he shows it every time he, uh, Every time he puts on an international shirt, he comes out a different player and, and he's quality and, and and you can just see that he, there's there's a quality player in there. But then for some reason, I don't know, man, for us, he just doesn't, he doesn't seem to, to possess the same confidence. But I do feel like, um, I'm, I'm, I wasn't like enamored with the Aubameyang signing, so I do feel like um, he can compete with Aubameyang for the, for the centre-four position. But the problem is, is that Aubameyang's probably a better finisher. So if... If the issue is, which I believe it is, is that we don't create very many good chances for the striker. Neither of them are really gonna like they, they can they can be in competition, but it's gonna be difficult to succeed in, unless you you improve the creation. And it's like it doesn't seem like we have the players to do that at the moment. That's kind of what I believe anyway. I feel like when you have a talented player with a bit more you know seniority like Sterling, even though we don't have the creativity. This is um with regards to uh Habit. It's not with Aubameyang. I feel like Aubameyang is just a different type of player, so he's not he's not really benefit from the same type of experience. But having that that big match gene that, that Sterling has, I feel like he can he's someone who you can kind of rely on to just kind of like put the team a bit on his back and to to come up with some when maybe you you know you're down on your luck. And he's one of those he's that kind of player. And I feel like Havertz, but we're kind of asking him to be that kind of player. And it's like if we don't like, it's not everyone can be that type of player. Sometimes. There's a player that if you create them chances, they're just going to score. And I feel like if you just create Havertz chances, he puts them away. He doesn't look like, he, like he's that type of player currently because he doesn't have the confidence. And obviously, if you play a striker and you kind of like, don't you make them feed off scraps, they're going to lose their confidence. It's going to happen to anyone. And, you know, Havertz is doing a lot of running around. He is doing a lot of running around. Of running around. I do not rate that. So I can't come here and be like, yeah, okay, he's running around. His creation numbers are poor. But what is he like? If you play play him centre forward, what do you really expect his creation numbers to be? If you if you play him, we played him 10, but he was even when he played him 10, like I couldn't really like it was easy to identify the structure at the back, but going forward it was kind of difficult to to identify the structure. Like for, sometimes it seemed like we were playing with two up front and he was one of the strikers. And sometimes like he was kind of his regular force line self. He kind of got a bit of free roll to do everything. He kind of popped up everywhere. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But 
unfortunately, if you pop up everywhere, it's kind of hard for you to be a regular goal scorer because you're not your players don't really know where they can find you. Like when when you watch City play, they know what you they know where Haaland's going to be. He's going to be right there in the middle of the penalty box, and you whip the ball somewhere near him, he'll do the rest. Havertz, you do, you can't reliably say he's going to be there. He's not going to be there. He, he might be on yeah. the left. He might be behind you. He could be anywhere. He's 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 like a jack in the box. But I believe in him, man. I believe in him. I feel like he can come good. I really hope we get a creator in there. And I feel like when we get a creator, a lot a lot of our players will immediately appear much much better than they have seemed. But I do feel like some of these players will never appear good. You get them playing with Ronaldinho and Messi, and they're still going to look terrible. You're not going to say anything. No, I'm going to say Pulisic because <laughs> people people don't expect me to say Mount, but you know yeah. I feel like he could hide behind Messi and look good. But Pulisic will just look bad regardless. All good points. Um, yeah, I'll probably add. Of course, like Kai's creation numbers are down when he's playing up front. He's meant to be on the end of things. That's almost akin to like without take goals aside. Like why isn't Harlan getting as many assists as he should do? Like it just doesn't make sense from a creation perspective. And you use Man City as a parallel. I agree. I feel like um, you know who's who who who's the maestro um, and who are kind of who can also conduct as well in regards to chance creation and stuff like that. With Chelsea, it's um, not as not as clearly defined because the attacking the attacking patterns of play aren't as clearly defined. So, um, yeah, just quickly, just quickly um, and I have to double down on this. Like Kai, again, he's never really been a creator, like the the, the main creator for a team. Um, he's someone that is in the area, and when he's composed, um, rather than being the one to kind of unlock it, he's the one that maybe will do the final pass because someone else before him has locked that the playmaker before him has unlocked it, found Kai in a higher position, and then he's had the composure to pass it across the box or to finish it. But um, I, I, this kind of Kai being a playmaker, he's never been a, a playmaker. And I think when, again, in Germany with the Muller thing, no one calls Muller a playmaker. Like, again, with Kai, it was suppo- it's supposed to be Kai has the runs to fight or picks up good positions. And then if we have people to find him in those good positions, which again, if you watch it like yesterday's game, I know like with Sterling as well, like at least he's scoring goals. What really pisses me off is when these people don't make these passes and they're still not scoring goals. But um, like Kai was in a good position to score and all he needed was to, it tapped across and then Sterling didn't do it. He went for goal at a, a shit ankle. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do like a lot of the times I see him pick up these good positions and uh, like I, I always remember that game when um, we first bought Kai Havertz when Lampard played him on the right and I remember we played a 4-2-2-2 and I think it was Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Verona up front and it was Mount and Havertz um, behind or like whatever 4-2-2-2 Havertz on the right Mount on the left and it and it was a shit show that Brighton game was a shit show I remember Reese James scored it or whatever and then Barkley came on and whatever you think of Barkley Barkley for me anyway, the most kind of playmaker type of player that we had in our squad. And like, he was the glue. He was the glue. He would, he had the patience to find player. He could actually do through balls. And so when, when Free says that we would look much better of a playmaker, I agree because really and truly, that's what these players do. And a lot of these other teams have, have that player. Um, and we don't have it. And, and Havertz was never that player. He was the player that benefited, benefited from that player. Nice. Well put. Um, we'll move on from discussion about Kai Havertz. Um, real quick, 
um freemium tell me um hopes for the international break and the next game in terms of what do you hope potter can do during this um what 18 day break what can and what are you hoping to see in their next game Man, I, I hate the international break, man. I really hate it. Uh, I, I, all this talk about more international football, I'm like, please, just give us less international football, man. Make, oh, make, instead, of, instead of making the World Cup every two years, make it every eight years, man. That's fine. I don't need to see so much international football, man. I hate it. In in terms of like a break and giving part of the chance to work, yeah. I guess yes. it's positive. I prefer to like watch him fail and grow at game per game instead of having to wait. But I guess it's better for the us as a team to give him some time to to get his ideas across and to, to for the players to maybe contribute their own ideas. Because it seems like he's running a democracy. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe he's a dictator as well, but it looks like he's running a democracy. Yeah. So, man, I hope that he can get maybe some some attacking play coach into these guys, maybe some get rid of some of the bad habits that they have. There was there were glimpses of that yesterday. Like we saw a, a couple of quick attacks and I was like, oh, I noticed. I was like, oh, that's, that's quick. We've gone from back to front way faster than we usually would have. So that I like to see so I was hoping to see more of that. Um I also we saw there were yeah, I don't know. It seemed like they were using a bit more width. That was good. Um I don't know man. I'd like to yeah I guess I guess I'd like him to get to, to know the players a bit more so he can make maybe make some choices. Hopefully that I'd like to see that you know the the choices that he made with both Aspi and uh Thiago Silva playing at the same time. Maybe that was just you know symbolic, saying, "Oh, look, this is the, the the captains, the leaders of the team are playing." Hopefully, he can he can you know come to his senses and start playing some of the younger centre backs. Not even the younger centre backs, just just some of the better centre backs at this point. And let's be not not better than Thiago Silva because obviously he's a legend, and obviously Aspi's a captain and a legend as well. But you know we've got some expensive signings that are sitting on the bench that were expensive signings for a reason that I'd like to see play and maybe you know, with, with better and faster and, you know, a bit more agile. Not all, not maybe not everyone, but just one one more of those young, expensive or just a little bit more mobile centre-backs and maybe maybe we can we can escape with the 1-0 winner in, in that game. So I'd like to see, I'd, yeah, I'd like to see maybe him working with the personnel a bit more, get to understand them, giving them more opportunity and then just some, some attacking football, man. I've been, we've been missing seeing some good, uh, some good, Attacking into into Lincoln play like I, I want to see a plan for us to get more cutbacks into our game. I, I want to see us get to the touchline, beat a man. I want to see someone who beats a man and goes goes like on the on on the on the touchline and, and then gives us a cutback and there's someone there to score the cutback because I feel like we've got a lot of players who would love who would benefit from that. Mountain is always at the edge of the box trying to shoot. Reese is always there as well. He benefits from a lot of that. But obviously, maybe he's the guy who can also do also do that. So I'm expecting big things. Big things from him as well, man. I don't know, man. I, I want to see some better attacking football. There are signs. There's some positive. There's reasons to be, you know, positive. Not too positive. It doesn't look too different. But obviously, he's not had his time. Let's let's. Go, I want to give him his time and not be not be too judgmental or too quick because it's important that you know he gets his chances and he gets his ability to work. But there obviously are some standards that as a club we have to maintain. And so mm-hmm. I want to give him his chances, but I, I can't afford for standards to drop. I'm sorry, Mister Parr. This is this isn't the magic wand over here, man. There's no score. There's no score. There's no wizards to come and help you, man. You need to secure the the points, man. You do need to to do your the bare minimums over here. Otherwise, Voldemort might appear, man. It's crazy. And you, Dan? Uh, thoughts? Um, I think it's good. I think he needs time to review the tapes. Um, I don't know how long Bowley's been talking to him. The story's coming out saying that this yeah Bowley would have got rid of Tuchel earlier. 
and since we've been talking to Cucurello and those before it, maybe he's been tapping him up. But um, yeah, rather than kind of having to learn through games and mistakes and like learning about players because, you know, like maybe the Aspie game, I don't know what he's, what actions is or kind of what views he's kind of left that game with. But this is good time to review loads of tapes just so you know these players. Um, because as much as possible, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like we need to trim the herd. It can't just be every, like, it can't be a free fall. It can't be one minute I'm seeing Ziyech and then I'm seeing Chukwemeka and then I'm seeing, I can't, like, we need to, and, and, and this is difficult because when it comes down to it, if you keep these players that are senior and that are a little jaded, you know, with a chip on their shoulder, then they could be bad for the dressing room. Um, but it can't be just, I'm trying to be, Mr. Nice, Mr. Potter, do you know what I'm saying? You can't be the Mr. Nice guy. Like, I think tough decisions have to be made and I don't know how you resolve them, but I just can't see, I don't, I feel like if he tries to make everyone happy and does this utilitarian thing where everybody's playing and we don't have consistent lineups, then we're going to, he's going to fail. And I think what Conte done when we got slapped back, um, when we won the league under Conte is he just, he was obsessive about finding an 11 that works. And I think when you look at Liverpool, where they lost Mane, and now you see that with that important piece, now it's a different Liverpool, right? And, and my whole point is that whereas people say Chelsea shit and Chelsea shit because things aren't going well, sometimes it just takes an important piece to make a team robust but you take that um, important piece out and you're fucked and I think what Conte done at that point he found a robust team that won and it wasn't necessarily these are all the sexiest players it's just like this works and so I feel like he's got time now this this international um, break to review the tapes to figure out what type of um, skills we have in terms of our squad and to try to put together a winning 11 that's robust and then a supporting cost. And I don't think everyone can make it. Nice when this shit. happens though, when this happens, like I'm like when uh, for example, when Lampard had his had his team that he wouldn't change and he kept playing Pulis as he may played bad and he gulagged to Mori. When I, I, I feel like managers can't really win, man. They can't win because if they if they nah, if they decide, yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I think I think it's fair. Like so when Tuchel came in and he decided Tammy's not for him and then he sold Tammy, I think that's fine. So I think it's fine if Potter gulags these players and then sells them in January. I just don't... I think with if you're a manager and you gulag a player, but then you keep them, then it's like, what, what are you doing? Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like the players that he gulag, that he gulags, he should be looking to ship out come the next window. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's why I'm saying trim the herd. Like, really and truly, decide who you're going to rock with and go with those and get rid of the rest of uh, the ones you're not going to rock with. Whereas yeah, Gary, sorry, Dan, I was just going to say, Gary Neville, when he was speaking at his time in Valencia, um, not necessarily personnel, but in terms of what he was trying to put across from a system and tactics perspective, he said he lost all faith um, from the players when he 
unwavered from his initial decision and he tried to kind of go a different direction that suited the players more instead of sticking to his guns making a making his decision and being and being firm with it and I think Potter needs to do the same and I think that's what you're trying to say as well yeah yeah and look there's a degree of being open right so you might come in and think this player is shit and then during training you're realizing actually now nah, he's sick and so I'm not saying just because you made that decision you can't roll it back. But what I'm saying is managing a massive squad is not a benefit to Potter. I think it will take down loads of managers. And it's not Potter's fault, but there's a lot, there's a lot of people there. And I feel like um where we see, like, I think like we, we see it now with Arsenal. We know who's going to play for Arsenal. And they're building momentum because they've got a team that works and they're rolling with it. And I feel like no one can complain, obviously, when the team is doing well. And so for Potter, the, the task is to find that team um, that can win. And I think we've got enough pieces for him to find that thing. But obviously, with Tuchel, um, he had the same squad. But I think with the Tuchel, the, the issue he made is what I'm trying to warn Potter of, is if you keep on trying to use all of the pieces, then a lot of them aren't going to shine and you're going to build up resentment, etc., etc. Really and truly, you should take your time to review the tapes, know these players inside out, figure out the ones that you're going to rock and roll with and the ones that can benefit you, and then sell the rest in, at the first opportunity. UEFA Champions League football is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every game from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in football's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time and extra time and stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Nice, nicely put. All right, um, moving on. Um, Todd Bowley spoke to um, spoke on stage for Salt New York, uh, a global thought leadership and networking forum in the finance and technology sector. Um, he spoke about uh, quite a few things. Uh, some of some of the things include the difference between owning an American sports franchise compared to um, an English sports team, relegation the value of an all-star game, media rights, and he gave his opinion on the Super League and his overall stance on it. So one of the points that I want to touch on is <clears throat> when he spoke about the value of a multi-club model and cited the Red Bull system and City Group as teams to look at as they expand talent development. And this is a direct quote. He said, we've talked about having a multi-club model. I would love to continue to build out the footprint there are different countries where there are advantages to having a club. Red Bull does a really good job with Salzburg and Leipzig, both of which are playing in the Champions League. They figured out how to make it work. You have Manchester City, which has a big, a very big network of clubs. If you look at what our academy has developed, it's Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, more recently Tammy Abraham, Rhys James, Mason Mount, Trevor Chalabar. We have 10 or 11 players right now who are either on loan, controlled by us, we have the right to buy them back, or they're playing for a team that came from our academy. Um, the challenge 
the challenge at Chelsea is when you have an 18, 19, 20-year-old superstars, you can loan them out to other clubs, but you put their development in someone else's hands. Our goal is to make sure we can show pathways for our young superstars to get onto the Chelsea pitch while getting them real game time. To me, the way we do that is through another club somewhere in a really competitive league in Europe. So he spoke a lot, obviously, um, faced a tiny bit of criticism for mentions of Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, as they're not exactly um, academy products, but um, the general consensus um, is one that I've had in the sense that um, a lot of these lone guys, and they've spoken about it, the likes of an Alex Kawamia or someone else, or like a Lucas Piazon who's gone on loan and he's not, seen as um, someone who needs to be developed. He's seen as a finished prospect and um, loan managers are looking at him to see what he can add value now because that's not their responsibility. They're a League One side, they're a championship team, they're a team in the Football League who need to win their next game or they're making redundancies in the staff because um, the wage bill needs to be trimmed. Um, first things first, Freemium, what's your thoughts on um, the multi-club model? Personally, I'm a really big fan of um, specifically the Red Bull um, model. Um, it's not perfect. They've had failed attempts at establishing um, a branch in Ghana. But um, in terms of their system with uh, the Austrian Bundesliga being like a starting point, um, going to leafering in the division below, then make graduate into the first team, um, and then eventually finding their way to uh, Leipzig or a bigger European club. What's your take on it, Freemium? I like it, man. I like it. I think it's, I think it's exciting from a fan's perspective, the idea that we can have a, like a, a feeder club, but a club where it's like, okay, you're, they're a feeder club, but they're still like in a competitive league. They're, they're still um, connected, but maybe I don't like, I don't know the rules around it because it, the way, he, the way he said it, because I did watch the video, um, he sold it really well and I really bought into what he was saying. But there was just a, like a, there was just, I don't know, just because he says things and sometimes the things he says aren't exactly precise. Mm. And I hear like, when he talks about football, I hear things, it's like, oh, that's not really correct. That doesn't really sound like you know what we're talking about. I don't know if how much I can buy into what he says or if there's maybe, if like how much of the, the fact checking around this he's done. But if like it sounds good, is what I'll say. It definitely sounds good, and I'm definitely in favor of the, the the model. I think it makes sense from a business perspective, and it makes sense from a club perspective as well, from a footballing perspective. Especially if you're willing, if you're able to send your your players away to a to a good league, and you're able to basically guarantee them good football and minutes that you can then say and use them to be like even as a as a as a platform. You know, maybe they don't, maybe they're good, but they're not. You, you have better players in their position. Cool that platform allows you to then generate revenue by selling them to a different team. And you have that option and you have, um, yeah, you just have the option to keep players in-house to kind of develop them more, to just keep them on. The, it's kind of like a loan, but it's not like a, a loan, but not really a loan. It, it makes the, it's a better system than this. It could be a better system than the system we, we, we had. And maybe the system that we have now, it depends on you know, how we plan on using a lot of these youngsters. As we've seen, we bought Choco Mate, but he's not getting much minutes. He's playing for the for, for the um, the youth team. It could be a more interesting idea to have um, yeah more club model. And I like how I like how it's working. I feel like Red Bull have done a great job. I feel like you know they they've especially Red Bull because it's more ident they're more identifiable as for their style of 
football it's kind of like and I think they've yeah they did it's 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 uh it's purposeful you can see that they've that if there's like a marketing strategy behind it even down to the level as of how they play football you know so I, I like the idea I think that you know you can kind of have your your footprint your stamp your culture um your your style of football multiplied especially if it's you know good but um but yeah it's all in the execution so if it sounds good on paper he sold it um but I, I'm not convinced by all of the stuff that he said, especially in terms of you know some of his football knowledge, one of the things that he said that was quite concerning was when they asked him about um they asked him about about two. Oh, we'll talk about, about that in a little while. That's one of the points. And, but um, just okay, on the yeah. feeder club, um, I'll say, um, in the short term, you're probably gonna. Obviously, it's a big outlay in terms of the whole acquisition of these clubs. But let's say we have um a Leafering, a Red Bull New York, um, a Leipzig, a Bragatino and a Salzburg. We have these multiple clubs dotted around in different and competitive leagues. Um, Where now, obviously, in the short term, we're going to be seeing less money with players on loan. Um, We're going to be seeing less loan fees, but it's probably going to be easier to get these players to um, progress out on loan. If you're telling them, um, I imagine it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been too difficult to tell someone like a uh, Karim Adiemi or uh, Benjamin Shesko. Um, yeah. Go to Leifer in, then you go to go to Leifer in for a season, um, do what, smash it, then kind of um, bide your time in the Salzburg first team when you come back and then we'll get you. Um, and then we'll talk about kind of moving you into the Bundesliga with Leipzig because they've seen so many other players make that same pathway. So it feels like more of a conveyor belt than um, Chelsea's approach now, which kind of feels like, yeah, you need to go on loan just because that's what everyone does when you get to a certain age or the Premier League too gets a bit too easy. So um they have a couple of they have they have connections with um they have connections with these championship teams Huddersfield Wigan um and Hull specifically uh, but they don't have like um they have connections but they don't have a process for development um by sending them to those clubs specifically they're just kind of here's what we're affiliated with this is the team that uh, will probably best utilize you you're not kind of preparing them with um you're not preparing them with oh yeah this league translates really well to the style of football that we're hoping to play um it prepares you from a physical perspective this is just kind of like this is who we know this is the best fit it might not be perfect for you but this is the best we can do Dan, um, what do you think about the multi-club model? Yeah, I think um, I get I get Chelsea fans. Do you know what I'm saying? You want to keep all the talents um, just in case one blows. I think Pep said it as well. Where with the buybacks, he said, "Look, we've sold a lot of talented players, but we've got buybacks, so just in case they explode, we can bring them back." And I think the thing is, when he mentioned Salah and KDB, they're not from the academy, but essentially. What they don't want is players that they've had within the club becoming the best in the world somewhere else. Um, and he talked about the development thing. So I, I get there's an issue. There's, a, there's an issue that needs a solution. I think it's interesting they're talking about a club in Portugal because I feel like they're thinking if we go to France, there's actually quite a lot of competitive teams. And I think what they uh, would ideally like to see is these young talents because they're not going to be any young talents. They're going to be top young talents playing in the Champions League. And so when you look at Germany, et cetera, et cetera, there's actually a lot of competitive teams. But if you get a team in Portugal, it'd probably be a bit more 
feasible to get a team and then get them Champions League ready soon. And we've seen with people like Marcus Edwards, who it actually suited Marcus Edwards because, again, he was named a problem child at Spurs, but he was seen as a wonder kid. Um, but he's gone and he's not had the media attention or anything else. And um, he's just been able to, you know, build in silence. And something that would I, I would say would be good is that a lot of these young players might go away from the attention of the Premier League and, and the Chelsea fan base, which I think is toxic. Um, one game is like, even with Leipzig, even right now, if Hudson Odoi out in Germany, people are watching to try to see him foul. And so what would be good is if these players can go to a, the Portuguese league and not necessarily have their eyes on them, but knowing Chelsea fans, they'll be watching as well. But I think um, what Freemium said was interesting in terms of the legalities around it, because you talk about a Red Bull group, they had Haaland and Adeyemi at Salzburg and they went to Dortmund. Um, so if it was a true type of thing where they had the ability to control it, they would have gone to Leipzig. And so how is there really um, something that can say that we sell these players? Because they are limiting loans. We can't even continue the loan systems because regulation is limiting the amount of players we can loan and it keeps on tightening and tightening. So we do need another solution. But if we sell these players, then we sell these players. Um, and so just because they're shining and they're at our feeder club, they could end up at Man City. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? They still have the choice. Um, and I, I generally think that it's good for Chelsea fans to start letting go of these players. I, I can't lie. Like, the way that I see a lot of the players at Chelsea stressed and then I compare to the players that have left Chelsea and gone somewhere else and they just look so happy and so free. Um, uh, sometimes I don't want him to make it at Chelsea <laughs> sometimes it's like if Tomori was still here then people would be saying he's shit and he won't be playing regularly he won't be getting an England call up and so I get that we're Chelsea supporters and not supporters of individuals and stuff like that but if watching these players I want to see them succeed a lot of them rather than just being at Chelsea and being slandered <laughs> And so I'm not necessarily someone that I have to see them. Like Musiala, I'm happy to see him at Bayern Munich because, I mean, it's easy to say now, and I, he is one of the best talents that has been in the academy. People have said that even before he played a, a men's game. But who knows what would have happened if he stayed here and what drama could have come because we put a lot of baggage on our players. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think um, it's good that they're trying to think of a solution I don't know about the legalities of it. Um, obviously, Man City got teams like Troy in France, et cetera, et cetera, where they put players. Um, and I think Savio went there, but then went on loan to PSV. Some, something illegal is happening with that Savinho thing. Um, but um, again, I don't know. I don't know. They'll, at these feeder clubs, it seems like with Haaland at Adeyemi, they went to Dortmund. So how much control would we really have of, over these players anyway? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I will say, um, in terms of salts, so in terms of your preparation, I mentioned this uh, in the group chat. Um, Samson Tajani, a young Nigerian, has also made that kind of step. So he went. He he did a he did a um, a small loan to um, an Austrian club, and then he did the leafering in the league below. Um, I feel like that process is set in stone in terms of you go to Liefering in um, the second tier of the Austrian Bundesliga 
Um, they're so set in that system when leafering one promotion to go into the top division of the Austrian Bundesliga, they declined and opted to stay in that second division and maintain that kind of um, funnel process that Red Bull covered so much. So you do do that. So what, what is definitely clear is that leafering, then you go to Salzburg, um, after, then when someone's sold in your position, you kind of get promoted that way. Um, obviously, we've seen from there, it's kind of, um, there is options. So we've seen guys go to Leipzig from, from there, like a Sobers. Uh, Sobersly and Ashesko, who's back on loan at Salzburg until the end, until the summer. But you've also seen an Erling Haaland um, make a decision and break away from the Red Bull model um, and opt to join Dortmund because it was a better fit for him. And also, obviously, Karim Adiemi's done the same. So that final piece is probably the one bit that I'd probably say isn't guaranteed. And that, um, and in terms of control from all the other steps prior to making that decision, I think it's not a bad model to um, to look at and see what you can take from, you, you, can, you can learn from in that regard. But ultimately, I think um, if we were to kind of um, do this right, you're probably developing a better quality of player um, before the regulations come in because um, Bowley was quite clear, it was quite specific, 18, 19, 20-year-old superstars. And those are the guys that you can learn as many as you can um, because they're under that 20, under 21 or under 23 threshold. Um, and ultimately, if you have that, if you have more control over um, where they go on loan in terms of you can actually, Todd Bowley can call up the Chelsea equivalent of Salzburg and say, why isn't this player getting minutes? Why isn't this player um like why isn't this player seeing as much game time? Like we need to develop him. And that will ultimately lead to players developing the way we would hope more often than not. And obviously it leads to hopefully it leads to better players and it leads to more um higher transfer values, which can be reinvested. Can I, can I just just quickly and this is my, my opinion on it is this if you want to keep players then the best way to do it, forget about the buybacks and all this type of stuff, really and truly. And I think loans was the kind of whole outsourcing of development. Um, and I think this idea, again, is outsourcing it. Sooner or later, you're going to have to be the ones to just say, listen, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to do it. Um, because essentially, it's like when a rich you know, families start getting a nanny to raise their kids and stuff like that. And then they, the kids don't have the relationship with the parents that, that they should have. And I think, again, Harlan broke away because he became a star and he's like, do you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. All, I, all I'm saying is that there's going to be some players that are English and at Chelsea for life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But really and truly, um, I think the best way to get players into the first team is to create that culture. And obviously it does seem like no bath to give him more power to, et cetera, et cetera. But to create that culture that we trust you and not necessarily just elsewhere, but we trust you here. We, we trust you here. Um, and I think that's a, a culture thing that even has to change around the fans because the fans say they want this, but then when a player comes in and they're not perfect straight away, I'm not even talking about players we buy, I'm talking about even young players. Then they start jeering and all this type of stuff and deciding they're not ready. But I feel like, there's a huge kind of culture thing that has to shift. And I feel like it, Chelsea should start taking responsibility at the club rather than just find a new way to outsource development. Mm, 
I'm a, I'm, I can't say, I, I'm going to say I disagree with that in terms of outsourcing, just for the fact that um, obviously the, if you, if you want total control, you're going to have to keep them at the club and these young guys aren't going to see first team minutes. So there has to be some that's, level of. But, that's, um, but this is, this is, this is what I'm saying. Like, Man United, so when Man United had a, the, the Ronaldo and the et cetera, et cetera, because it's not just academy, but when it comes down to it, a lot of people told you, you can't do it with kids, et cetera, et cetera. Saka, you know what I'm saying? He was playing since he was 17, et cetera. So like when you're having the whole idea that you can't compete with these players, then of course, like essentially what I would do is I would go to an Arsenal where Arteta trusts these players at the club, not, oh, I'm going to go to Chelsea, they're going to take send me to Portugal, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, I'm not saying that you have to agree with me, it's fine. I'm just saying that when it comes down to it, as a young player, I would go to Dortmund. Why? Because they've created a culture of trust there and they're still trying to win, but there's a culture of trust there. I think with Arsenal as well, under Arteta, I would feel safe as a young player there. For me, if Chelsea was interested in me and they said, oh, we're going to send you to Portugal and stuff like that, I'm like, nah, personally. Mm. And this is where I think the difference comes into it. Um, I would rather, if as a young player, um, I would rather go to, I would trust in the Leipzig, uh, the Red Bull system that has a proven track record to nurture and develop my talent. Um because even if I'm not, if I, even if I don't make the the grade, um, my talent and my skill set will have improved from my time there. Right. So but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even talking about Red Bull. I'm talking about the kind of Chelsea right now. I'm not talking about Red Bull. And then again, if Red Bull and Dortmund come in for me, and I'm a top young player, I'm going Dortmund. Like if 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 Red Bull cut Leipzig um, came in and said we're going to send you to Salzburg or Liefering, and then you can come to Salzburg, and then soon you'll come to Leipzig. Or Dortmund coming for me and saying, we'll play you at Dortmund. I'm going to Dortmund. Because Dortmund are the club at the top level that are saying we're at the top level and we're creating that culture where we believe in young players. So for me, if um, Leipzig came in and said, you know, we'll go to Salzburg and then you can come to Leipzig. Or Dortmund comes and says, we're a Champions League club. Um, We're going to try and fight for the title. Plus, you know what I'm saying? Um, You can play here and Champions League football, I'm going to go to Dortmund. And so all I'm saying is, if Chelsea need to kind of decide, like, Chelsea don't have to be a youth club. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't have to be it. But I'm just saying, don't pretend. When you're outsourcing talent um, development, that's what you're doing. You're outsourcing development. So Chelsea aren't going to be that developmental club. And therefore, really and truly, if I was an agent personally, I would be telling a lot of the academy players, if if there's an opportunity at a club that is going to trust you at the highest level, Go there. That's just my personal opinion. Mm. Well, personally, I don't think Chelsea could be a, um, a Dortmund, but um, Freemium, just before I bring you in, I don't think they can be a, because their model um, allows for them to be able to spend big money to bring in the best, which is probably what Dortmund would do if but, they could. But, they but, could. Like, but, but again, it doesn't even have to be Dortmund. When it comes down to it, Klopp is the same way at Liverpool. Like Fabio Carvalho is happy to go to Liverpool. Chukwemeka came to us. Fabio Carvalho went to Liverpool. Fabio Carvalho is playing games. Klopp, again, he's kind of in a culture trick. Like, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, even when Lampard was here, I, 
it made sense seeing young players, obviously the way it kind of fought out. But Lampard, again, he, he didn't try to outsource it. He had these young players and he created that culture of we're going to play these players. And where the second season he went and he went to go and buy Werner because the idea was that Werner was definitely going to be better than Tammy. And then he, he had to play Werner. But then Tammy ended up better. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where it got ruined. But where, where it comes down to it, this whole idea of you can't play young players at top level, it, it's bullshit because a lot of these times, like, again, Tammy as the example, I'm not even the biggest ta- fan of Tammy, but people say easy to improve on, easy to improve on. Whereas he wasn't easy, like, well, Werner wasn't better than him. And so um, Liverpool, Klopp, again, Elliot, Fabio Carvalho, they're young players, etc. And again, it's a manager thing. It's a culture thing. Um, even right now, even at um, uh, Man United, they've got a manager that's going to do that. So, and Potter, to be fair, Potter, we've got Chukwemeka and we have to see how we use him. Potter seems like that type of manager. But I'm just saying, and I, I don't know how Potter's going to be, but really and truly, it depends on what are you trying to market yourself as. If you are trying to market yourself as a good place for young players to be, then it can't just be about outsourcing development. Go here, go there, go there, go there, go there. A lot of it has to be, we're going to be a club that trusts and will play young players at the club too. Premium, give us your take. I want us to win, man. I don't, I don't care about developing young guys. <clears throat> I care about winning. That's, that's what I care about. That's what I want to see. I don't care about developing young guys. If we can do that, that's great. If we can't, see you later. Sayonara, off you go. Don't care where it is. I'd like for us to, to outsource, to, to, to ship off more young players than we currently do. I feel like we, we, don't ship, we don't sell enough. I feel like we need to bring in more talent. We need to block more pathways. We need to buy our way to, to titles. People need to, to feel the hate in their, in their, when they wake up in the morning. When they're brewing their coffee, I want them to be thinking, Chelsea won again. They bought another title. Oh, look, they bought another Champions League. Oh, they bought another Cup World Cup championship. I need that, man. That's what I need. I don't need us to be the club. I don't, I don't want us to be Dortmund. I don't want us to play the young. I don't want us to try and win with the youngsters. Nah, man. If the youngsters are good enough, that's great. I love it. If is, the young, I, if James, amazing. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah, and this and this is all I'm, all I'm saying is that identity has to be consistent. Like Man City aren't trying to paint themselves as someone where you're young and et cetera, et cetera. Do you know what I'm saying? That, and then all I'm saying for Chelsea is don't have be don't give out different things. Like, are you going to be that club where you're saying you want to get these young players in and you're going to be developmental, et cetera? Or are you going to be what Freemium wants? I'm just saying, like, it just has to be consistent. I feel like you can, at Chelsea's ability, they can be um, a little bit of both. Um, and Freemium, you said, obviously, you just want us to win. I feel like this level of spending, this outlay, um, is le- is more of an exception than the norm because there's so much emphasis on these um, development of you bringing in Graham Potter, who has this track record of developing guys and looking at um, like how players, young players, weren't given the chance on the Tuchel um, when they kind of started those kind of um, discussions to, is this really the guy for us? I feel like... Um, we are 62% owned by Clear Lake and they're going to want to return on their investment. I don't see them shipping, spending 270 odd or whatever it is every season to make sure um, we succeed. I feel like they're going to want to lean more down the um, development and nurturing of smart acquisitions 
So um, I, I think, first of all, creating that pathway is their primary um, is their primary goal at this point in time, bringing in a manager who is open to playing these youngsters. Now, whether we go down the route of um, a Dortmund or, um, as you mentioned, the Liverpool, or um, we go down the pathway of, um, in terms of refining these talents um, and putting the best uh, finding the best of the best via the Red Bull system and putting no and giving those guys the opportunity um, via a rigorous signing them early, putting them through their paces and picking the best of the best. Similar to how Chelsea signed the likes of Fikayo Tomori and Tammy Abraham because they have these development centres across every kind of junction of the M25 and the best of those development centres then get to go to Cobham. I feel like it's going to be a similar selection process via these satellite clubs. Um, is how I see it. So I think it will be a case of we will make smart acquisitions, but we'll also create pathways for the best young talents to shine and make it to Chelsea first team. I'd like, I'd like for us to take the, the Barcelona model as well, man. Right? Barcelona seems to always have quality young players coming through, but also they're always selling. Because people know the quality of La Masaya, people believe that whoever player they're getting is going to be a player. So I feel like that's also part of the of the deal. Uh, we're like marketing ourselves as this way to try to, to get I sales. Think, I think with the way that Bowley's talking about that way that we've lost this player and lost that player, I think he's going to be more of the hoarder. But I agree with you in terms of um, we need to get... I, feel, I just feel like Chelsea fans need to stop hoarding these players, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you want to keep everyone. You want to keep everyone. And for me... Again, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, I'd rather see a young talent shine elsewhere than us trying to hoard loads of talent and just keep them in, in mad places in Portugal and all these mad zones. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, look, the mo- I get it. I get, like, a lot of Chelsea fans just want to see as many talents come through and have their pick and just wait to see which one explodes and then you're ushered into the Chelsea and so we don't lose these KDBs and you're fretting over losing all that. I get it, but I'm just saying, um, for me, m- most important, I just feel like what Freeman said, I'm, I'm okay with just watching Chelsea and just watching Chelsea win. And I like these players that are from my academy. Um, they don't have to succeed. I think before succeeding at Chelsea, I'd just rather see them succeed. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like this process can potentially be another thing where it becomes like the loan system, where it's just like, uh, do you know what I'm saying? We're putting the system above the development of the player. All right, listeners, this one is for you. Please comment and give us your thoughts on the multi-club system, the route Chelsea, uh, you would like Chelsea to take in regards to their, their club model, developing youngsters um, and how we move forward as a club and what our kind of um, policy around development of talent um, and acquisition of talent should be and what you what you assume it will be going forward. Um, so enough of the multi-club model. Um, I will mention though, Chelsea are, according to reports, Chelsea are um, in advanced talks with the RB Salzburg sporting director, Chris, Christoph Freund, who was also at Stamford Bridge for the draw. Um, <clears throat> one thing Boley also spoke about was um, why the decision to part ways with Thomas Tuchel was made. Another extract from the interview, uh, he said, when you take over any business, you need to make sure you're aligned with the people that are operating the business. Tuchel is obviously an extremely talented and someone 
who had great success at Chelsea. Our vision was finding a coach who really wanted to collaborate with us. The reality of our decision was we just weren't sure. Thomas saw the saw it the same way that we saw it. No one's right or wrong. We just didn't have a shared vision for the future. It wasn't about Zagreb. It was about the shared vision for what we want Chelsea Football Club to look like. It wasn't a decision made because of a single win or loss. It was a decision made about what we thought was the right vision for the club. So we've heard reports about um, communication breaking down, tensions over signings, um, mentions over the prospect of signing the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Gabriel Jesus was mentioned, and... Um, the lack of youth that were played under that 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 were played under Thomas Tuchel last season, um, so there was a there's there's a lot of kind of reports and um, discussions and obviously um, the infamous four four three presentation that um, Boley and his American um, and his American team put forward in a presentation to uh, Thomas Tuchel, but based on just what he said and alignment and how there wasn't a right or wrong system, it just um, they just didn't mesh very well. Um, what's your take on it, Freemium? I I like that he said something, um, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm not a fan of the rumors that I'm hearing, and I'm definitely not a fan of of what he said because one of the one of the things that he said was that, oh yeah, we understand tactics. And I was like, what, like when he said that, I kind of it's kind of an innocent remark. But when I thought about, it, I was like, what do? You, why are you trying to tell us that you understand tactics? Like nobody expects that's that's not. What anyone expects of you, they expect you to be able to follow the game of football because you're only a football club. But nobody's expecting you to, you know, understand tactics or to be the one who has to understand tactics. That's not really your job to understand the tactics of a football team. So the fact that he felt the need to say that he understood tactics was a little bit, you know, off-putting because it's like, ah, oh, okay, you understand tactics. That's kind of that's great, but you know, that's not really your job. That's not really what you're here for. And the idea that he wants to collaborate. And there was this, and the idea that he's presenting ideas himself about players just doesn't sound like sound football strategy. Because he's a great businessman, that's great. I'm sure Ronaldo is a great business idea. Like, I'm sure that lots of clubs have found Ronaldo to be a great business idea. But it makes complete sense that any manager tells you absolutely no to Ronaldo. And it sounds insane because he's Ronaldo. But when you look at his recent track history... He get the club gets Ronaldo. That manager gets fired every every single time he he's moves after Real Madrid. He get he gets the he goes to a team. The manager gets fired. They get a new manager. That manager gets fired. He he moves to a different team. The manager gets fired. There's a reason why managers do not want to accommodate Ronaldo, and it's not because he's not a good player. That's not that's not the reason. He's at a stage of his career where he's not the same person. The idea that you can, but his maybe his ego is a little bit as if he was the same person. The way he's speaking out about his current manager is kind of alarming. And his, his current manager has been put in some awkward situations where he's had to explain things and say things and rumours coming out of his camp are different. So I understand why Tuchel is going to be a little bit calmer, calmer, because, you know, what you're saying is kind of like a bit of an overreach. But obviously I understand that, you know, when you buy a club and you're a rich person buying a football club, you're going to play it like a football manager, but only like it's worrying as a fan because... A lot of that is, hey, understand that. Even if you do understand, nobody cares. That's really not what you're here for. You're here to invest and to, and to listen and to put the experts in their position and really to not give them advice, not to present them tactics, not to you know bounce tactical ideas off them. That's really not what you're here for. They're not, 
like that manager of the football club, he's not your friend. He's not someone to help you. He's not your personal trainer for football. And you're definitely not someone who can give him tips or, or, or pointers, you know, ideas to improve the squad. That's really not what you, you want from an owner. That's really not what you want. You want an owner who's going to be like, when you say, oh, I've got an idea to improve the squad, he's going to say, I'm going to back your idea. You don't want him coming to you with ideas like, oh, I've got a great idea. His name is Ronaldo. He's going to play up front for us. And, you know, all that press and football you talk about, we're going to make him do it instead. It's like, we don't want that. So I was very worried about and concerned about those, those comments. But in terms of him firing Tuchel, that's fine. I feel like the timing was bad because if you're going to fire him and you knew that you were going to fire him because you didn't have a shared vision, you should have known that when you're buying his players before you bought Aubameyang you should have thought actually do we have a shared vision why am I buying your players why am I buying your players if I don't share your vision Aubameyang is a player who is in the club because of Tuchel <clears throat> and that's what his vision was that was Tuchel's vision the player that he wanted so now that you've got him and then you fight him it's like well what were you doing it, does, it just gives off the idea that you don't have a clear you don't have belief in what you're doing because if you had if you believed that you wanted to get rid of the manager you should have got rid of him before you bought his play you should have got rid of him in summer when you got rid of lots of other people in the club and that would have that would have made more sense it doesn't really make sense to let him play and then after a few games we actually we have a disagreement of, of vision because i'm sure the disagreement of vision did not begin after his, his form didn't he didn't hit the ground running and you're like, oh actually the vision isn't the same you should have known that and you should have acted earlier and it would have made more sense because maybe the new manager could have been could have assessed the club, the players a bit differently. Maybe he could have given his ideas on the quality of the players. But yeah, man, I'm I'm concerned. But you know, people will say I'm anti-American, so I can't be too concerned. But I am concerned, and I'm a little bit anti-American. Dan, what's your take on um, Bowley's comments regarding why the decision to sack Thomas Tuchel came about? Okay, I've got I've got empathy for. The fact that he didn't sack Tuchel because Tuchel was so, so successful with us. So even if he's like, this isn't my guy, I get the idea of, all right, let me let the season play out. And if I have the opportunity to sack him, then I'll sack him then. I just, I, I get it's not clean. And I get they've backed him with a lot of money. And I truly believe that they wanted to give him at least like a season. But um, obviously relationships break down. And that's just, that's just how shit happens. Um, in terms of, I, I agree with basically a lot of what Freeze just said about um, him getting involved in tactics and all of that. But again, when Roman first came in, it's, this is the type of thing when you buy it. When Roman first came in, we heard he was at the training ground and he was, you know, given. And I feel like um, the novelty of it when you buy it, you kind of want to, the reason why you buy it is you want to put your imprint on it. And I think we are suffering the consequences of that at this point where he's almost wanting to be a suedo manager ghostwriting and stuff like that um uh and part of part of Tuchel's job was to manage up i think and to try to bring him along and i think Tuchel tried to do that at first but then he just lost his patience because he just wanted to manage and he's not that's not his role um, and I, look, it is frustrating. Cristiano Ronaldo bringing him to him five times, allegedly. Um, I, I understand Tuchel's. I'm on Tuchel's side. I'm more. On, I'm more on Tuchel's side in terms of what we've been hearing. Anyway, um, the frustration of having to almost babysit these new guys who they're saying, "Yeah, help us, bring us in, bring us for the party." He's like, 
I'm trying to compete for the Premier League. <laughs> like, I ain't got time to teach you about football. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I get, I get that. And then I get how you've got money and you're my boss, but I'm the expert in the room right now. And so don't, please don't suggest me things and stuff like that. And just, I, I get, I get how the whole thing has kind of happened. And so from Bowley's end, I think he just wanted to fully equip Tuchel and say, look, you've got everything you want. And so you better do well. And I think that was the plan. Um, but then they saw the opportunity to get rid of him. And maybe I think the relationship just went so bad and then they just sacked him, which is fine. Potter's in now. I just want, I, it's interesting now Potter's in. I think Potter's a good communicator anyway. So I, I don't think it's going to be a thing where Potter, hopefully not. I don't think that he's that he's just going to like start in, um, implementing what Bowley wants. But I think he's more patient. And so he'll explain more what they're thinking behind it. And I think all they wanted was Tuchel said no to, to Cristiano, explain it and explain it and explain it. Um, but yeah, from, from what I'm hearing, it's not necessarily good news for Chelsea fans, but it's what to expect, I think, when you get a new owner. Uh, spending all of that money, they're going to want to be involved. I feel like, I, I disagree a little bit with um, what you think Potter will do, because in Potter's interviews, he was saying that um, one of the staff members he bought specifically for the role of explaining things to the owners, like doing that personally, he was talking up about his personal traits of understanding people and how, how good he is at kind of like explaining things and breaking things down so that he can take over, like the manage more of the relationship between him and the owners while he does the coaching. So I feel, I feel like his expectation, and I don't know, I don't know who gave him the idea because I don't, I don't feel like that's what's going to go, is that this guy is going to be the go-between between him and, and the manager. Yeah, uh, him and him and the owner. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that as well. I'm just, yeah. So like, I, I remember him saying that as well, and I, that seems like the plan. It's fine. I just think that what I was saying is that Tuchel wasn't interested in bringing these guys along because Tuchel, we know, he's rapidly focused on success, and that's one of the things that I worry about with Potter, um, because with Potter, he does seem like a patient guy and a lady, and. That stuff, type of stuff is good for things like development and building stuff. But in terms of winning, you need people that are obsessed with winning. And I think Tuchel is an obsessive. Conte is an obsessive. Mourinho is obsessive. These have been the type of guys that have won for us. They've been obsessed with us. Now, obviously, we won Ancelotti. I wouldn't call him obsessive. Um, but the good thing is, even though when I look at Paul, I can see he's not obsessive about winning. And I think to be like Pep, obsessive about winning. Klopp, obsessive about winning. We have to see. Maybe this is an early judgment. I don't see that um, in Potter right now. But the reason why I'm saying this is I see that in Bowley. He's the obsessive. So it's not necessarily that I, I want Bowley completely divorced from the situation because Potter might be one of those, yeah, we're just going to, those hippies, we're going to develop, et cetera, et cetera. But free, like you said, you want to win. And I think if there's anyone that's showing those that energy right now, it's Bowley. And so... Yeah, it, there's execution of it too. And it's like, okay, help us win by just giving us money and stuff like that. But I feel like also he'll be in Potter's ear like saying, no, this is not good enough. We have to, all of this type of stuff. And I think we need some of that. Fair. Um, yeah. I've kind of just um, at a point where I'm not angry. I'm not like... Yeah, Tuchel had it come in. I'm just very over the situation. I'm just kind of like, 
now looking forward, looking look looking towards what come next. Not massively optimistically, but um, I'm just kind of like open minded, just like yeah, let's see let let's see what happens. Um, we'll finish. We'll, we'll wrap up shortly with um, a couple questions um, from the uh, listeners. So, um, any question? Any any other? thoughts or um things to say in regards to um the Bodhi versus Tuchel debate no, let's, let's go into the LQs cool all right first question um from Prash is what's a bare minimum expectation for you guys in terms of a successful campaign me I'll go first uh top four for me what about you Dan no I don't I don't do this type of stuff you know I I, I don't do it it's his first season He's never managed at this level, like really and truly. I don't have, if we finish fifth, it's not like, oh no, you're below it. It really depends on the story of the season for me. Yeah, that's fair. Freemium? For me, it's, yeah, for me, it's top four, man. He needs to, well, actually, you know what? There, there are acceptable variations to my expectations. I do want to say top four, but I will also accept winning the Champions League and finishing fifth. That's also acceptable for me. I'm not going to complain if that happens. So free, free. Let me ask you this then: If we finish fifth, what do you? What is the ramifications of being below expectation? Then, if if we finish fifth, and for some like maybe like if for example, because one of the possibilities we have is that we enter the Europa League, and we finish fifth. If we I'm finish fifth, if we, we enter the if we finish fifth and we don't win Nish. Yeah. Nish, oh no, no, that can't happen, man. So what, Sorry, what's the ramifications? So what, what, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, man, Paul got to go, man. Paul got to go, man. I got no patience. <laughs> got to go, go. It rhymes. I like. It needs to. It needs to get right out, man. If if we finish fifth and we don't get nothing, yeah, he's out. Man. He needs, go, to, go. needs to have something, man. He has to have something that's that's, that's to... give, keeping the hope in, man. Something he, needs I need to, to have glisten. hope. Something needs something, to glisten. for sure, yeah. man. Uh, right, Timson. Yeah, um, I'll probably say. Um, yeah, the story behind if we don't make top four, the story behind it was was there promise was there uh, what went wrong to make it, but um, overall top four is ideally what I would hope. But um, next question from Lenny: Which players that weren't regular starters under Tuchel do you think could have a rebirth under Potter, including loanees that may return? Uh, obviously, a lot of people who are following uh, the Bundesliga um, are now talking about Callum Hudson-Odoi. He had a good put, good second half against Atleti. Um, he's one that I think will probably get more of a look, more more of a look than um, he's had under previous managers. Uh, what about you, Dan? Anyone you, ha- anyone else you have in mind? Uh, no. I mean, I, I can tell who I hope becomes a star. I, I hope that Ruben Loftus Cheeks become becomes a full starter. Yeah, I'm Team Ruben. I'm Team Ruben as well. What Free said earlier in terms of he wants people that can take it past players like Sterling is one of those players for us. And I think the other one for our, our team right now is Loftus Cheeks. But that's just my hope. I don't know. I'm not saying Potter sees it, but I, I'm hopeful that he brought him on. Um so he actually played in, in, in the first game of Potter. But um yeah Ruben Loftus Cheek is the one that I think I think He's been one of our best players, and I think quality-wise, he is one of our best players. But yeah, that's that's my my opinion. Free, what do you think? Man, I'm not I'm not a believer, man. I'm, I'm not a believer in in none of the fringe players. I'm trying to I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think who who do, who could I give like a a tiny hope that they come in and, and they they change the, the narrative and they, they're a star player. But 
Can't think of anyone, man. Really can't. I'm really struggling. Uh, I will say one player that definitely looked a lot better than I've seen him look in a long time was Marcos Alonso for Barcelona, man. I was really <laughs> impressed. He was, he had a, a well. cracking game. You play well. He, he had a cracking cooked. game. I, I was, I was he at... got cooked. When? He got cooked. He was cooking. He was a chef that <laughs> night. <laughs> Bunch Thanks. of key passes. He was looking great, man. But um, I w- one thing I'll say about Hudson Zoe is I don't know if he's going to have the opportunity. Right? Well, how how long is, has he got left on his contract when he comes back? What is it? One a year, year? Is it? A year. A year. Yeah, 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 man. He's not signing a new one. He's not going to have the opportunity. It depends on what's offered. It, it depends on what's offered from Potter. If Potter says, look, and this is, I, I don't see this happening, but if Potter says, you're going to come back, you're going to be first team, you've done amazing in Germany, and it, here's like a, a 100k raise, then he might do it. But I just I don't see that happening. So I think hundred K raise. How's he gonna get that? But this is what I'm saying. This is this is just me kind of throwing something out of the air. But I'm just saying I don't see that happening. Um so yeah, like yeah, go on. Potter's convinced I feel like Chelsea will make an will make an offer to make him stay, like you say. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm 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 just saying I think there'll be I I I've seen more likely scenarios happen this season. Harvey Vell. I thought he was absolutely gone. Like at the, at the end of his con, at the end of the season, I thought the guy's been nowhere near the first team recently since pretty much the Southampton game in the Carabao Cup. Um, the end of last season, Tuchel was giving Kennedy garbage time minutes at the end of the season instead of him. Um, he, we brought in Sterling. I was like, yeah, Harvey Vell is not signing a new deal. Like the guys just had England under 19 glory. And instead of rewarding him, we've brought in Carney. Uh, we've, we've dropped 20 million on Carney, who was um, also in that squad. And we're treating him like he's the next one. So I didn't think he would sign a new contract. But the fact that he's signed a four year deal shows that anything is possible. Uh, I want to ask you guys as well, just um, a non listed question, uh, just because I know there's people who are interested. Christian Pulisic, how do you see his fate under uh, under Graham Potter? Oh Dan. man, I'm, I, I I let Dan go first because if I talk, it's gonna be long. Um, I don't have much to say on it to be honest. I feel like he didn't start the first game, um, so it's not looking good. And I feel like his time at Chelsea, and he said, is done anyway. So I, I don't think it's just a Potter thing. I think he wants to go. So yeah, I think his dad wants him to go. His dad promised that he was leaving anyway, so I was surprised. When he stayed, because I was like, I believed his dad. I was like, oh, his dad's a, uh, he's, he's a man of his word. He so, says he's going to be gone. He's going to be out. So are you saying not only Christian let you down, but his dad let you down too? The whole family let me down, man. Like they, because I didn't believe in them. I was like, come on, man. This guy doesn't have to be football, man. He's playing. He's, he's, he's crazy. I saw him playing. I was not impressed. And then he had that, that little purple patch. And that little purple patch just... For some reason, I was like, you know what? You know, I, I misjudged him. I was wrong. I, I, I raised my hands and say it. You know, I was wrong. He's actually way better of a player than I thought than I thought he was. And maybe maybe it was because he was American. Maybe I was like, ah, he's American. Americans don't know about football. He, he's gonna be rubbish. And I was starting to believe. Like I was, I was starting to, to, to you know, to, to sing the the, the 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 red, white, and blue man. But um, but then as soon as that stopped, and as soon as other players had fitness, I have not seen a half decent player since. Right, a ghost, a, a, a shell. I have not. I do not understand it. Well, you don't think he did well in the Champions League run? No, man. I feel like I feel like like he 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 wasn't bad. But when you're bad for so long, a six out of ten looks like an eight out of ten, and people were acting like it was a ten out of ten. There were people to tell you, "Oh my days, Pulisic versus Real Madrid." I was like, "Yeah, he was good. He was good. He might have been a six point four, 
that game. Oh my god! And then the next game before that, they'll tell you, oh, but what about the other game versus Real Madrid? And it's like, so he can only play against Real Madrid. Tell me a game EBM that he doesn't play against Real Madrid. Just came to get your hateration off. You got nothing but hateration just seeping through your fucking veins. Bro. I'm sick of it, man. He, I'm sick of it. I'm like Jordan Pill. He needs to get out, man. He wants out. I want him out. He's not playing well. He, he, everything, like even he, the the biggest. Like when Buzzy Buzzy is, is starting to to to, be, to comment on how bad he's performing, and that is rare because the Americans mm-hmm. were in his corner, man. They're in his corner. They're they're, they're team uh, Captain America, and they're they're campaigning that he's being mistreated, and he's been mistreated because he's American, because obviously they're they're the victims. But he's not being mistreated because he's American. He's being mistreated because he's not good at football. And every time he plays, he's not good at football. And the things that people say that he's good at, like his dribbling, when was the last time Wait. he looked good? Free ten percent of our listener base is American, by the way. Well, yeah. I have to check it next episode, but currently ten percent of our listenership is American. So if you could just turn it down a notch. Oh yeah, man, I I, I really believe that he has a future elsewhere, <laughs> man. I feel like he could just at Dortmund again, or I don't know, man. Maybe in maybe in Boston, maybe in Barcelona, or, or Atletico. I don't know. In, into Miami. Yeah, man. Oh, that sounds great, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. All right, all right. Tipson, you got any more listeners' questions before we finish? Yeah, last couple. This one is specifically for freemium. Uh, question for freemium. How comes you were ducking you were ducking the pod appearances while Lukaku was stinking it up last season? Woo! Who said this one? Babs. Now this is from Tiz. Okay. From Tiz. Okay. I forgot I about like, that. I feel like I'm just a busy guy, man. And, <laughs> and there's a time difference. So it's not like I'm docking the pod. I haven't been on uh, that much this year either. But obviously, people feel like, oh, because Lukaku didn't do well. But to be honest, Lukaku didn't do as badly as, as people made out that he was doing, man. I feel like his goal return was better than Havertz's. And people were like, last season, Havertz is the, is the key man. Oh, look how much better we look with Havertz playing. A lot of talk about how great Havertz were. As soon as Lukaku's not here, there's this silence, radio silence. It's like Havertz is all of a sudden who's playing pretty much the same football. I don't feel like he's, I don't think there's a drop off from last season. I thought he's playing the same football. Maybe it's not coming off as much. And all of a sudden it's not as impressive. But the same thing that happened to, to Lukaku ha- happens to Havertz. It's going to happen to Aubameyang, happened to Werner, happened to Tammy. You don't, you do, it's hard to look good, man. It's hard to look good or doing it. And obviously Lukaku didn't do himself any favours. People kind of, Took, got a wrong end of the situation. He didn't do himself any favors in the in the situation, and then he signed out, man. So he's off, man. And and he, to be honest, he's not improving currently at, at Inter. Like he's 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 a lot of people are complaining, saying, "Oh, it's going to take a while." He got injured when he when he, he got dragged once. Yeah, man. So it's looking peak for him. There, there's I a still lot. believe he's a good player, three, but three. I would never duck the pod for no reason. There's a lot that I should I could challenge you on, but I'm just tired and we need to finish. But you said a lot of wild things that should have been challenged, but. So just for the audience, like, why you pull him up? It's, they, we should have asked this question at the start of the pod. It's too late. It's too late. I got it's off scot-free. I got off scot-free <laughs> at the start of the pod. It doesn't matter when we, we got it off. Uh, excuses that you couldn't bring up, bring up on charges. Scot-free. Scot-free. All right, cool. Um, are we done? Tibson, last question, because I've got to go. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is actually the last question. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Are you happy with the decision to replace Tuchel with Potter from Babs? Uh no no I'm not I'm not happy with it but I'll I'll deal with it it's not news Chelsea in it yeah typical uh what about you three 
Yeah, agree, man. I feel like he should have been given more time, but you know, it's it's it's, it's their club. They're gonna buy it and change the manager whenever they want. And it's fair, man. Like he wasn't like as a manager, it's a it's a results based game. As soon as those results change, you're on borrowed time. Yeah, he opened the door for it. Yeah, so like I'm not crying about it, but at the same time, I don't think it was the the right decision. But yeah. Yeah, the actual decision to sack Tuchel, I'm, I, I don't, I, I'm not happy with. I'm indifferent towards who his replacement is, if it, if it, for whatever reason, like if they had to replace him, I'm not, I'm not like, excited or disappointed by his play. Like, you know Sports Social Podcast Network.